Introducing Kicking Back with the Cooks, presented by Woodhouse. 18 brands, 16 convenient locations, simplified car buying to save you time. Shop, finance, and buy online at woodhouse.com. Here's head coach John Cook, along with your host, Lauren Cook-West. Welcome in to another month of Kicking Back with the Cooks, and happy birthday month to my special friend here, who's helping me record the podcast tonight, or this episode tonight. And also happy Thanksgiving uh, to all of you towards the end of the month in a couple of weeks. I can't believe it's already Thanksgiving. Coach Cook, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side or dish or favorite part of Thanksgiving? Pumpkin pie and the whipped cream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you like pumpkin pie too, Madden? Can you tell everyone how old you're going to be turning this month? Two. Two. Wow, Madden's turning girl. two. We're very excited. What do you want for your birthday? Um, cake. Cake. We want cake. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> well, Coach Cook, can you just catch us up on life? What's new? What's been going on? Other than, I mean, we know you're in the, the midst of Big Ten volleyball, which is a roller coaster, but what's new with you outside of volleyball? Well, Lauren, I have a big surprise for you tonight. So, Ooh. so uh, it's one of the coolest, coolest, coolest coaching days uh, in my career today. So wait, hold on. Did you already talk about this on your radio oh, show? No, 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 no. Have okay. not. This is this, this is, is unveiling this. So Trev Albers came to our practice today in a tie. I said, Trev, no ties allowed in Devaney. So you're way overdressed. You sat and watched practice, and all the girls are coming up to me. What's he doing here? What's he doing here? I go, well, go ask him. And they said, we did, and he just started singing some song. So anyway, at the end of practice, I go, Trev, what's up? Because he sat through the whole practice. Usually ADs come in, they watch five minutes, and they're gone, and they're on the phone or whatever. And uh, Hey, Coach Osborne would sit through the whole practice. Coach Osborne would, yeah, because he would be taking notes and telling me what to do. But... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, he talked to the team afterward. Uh, he said, I want to talk to the team. So I'm like, whoa. Anyway, Lauren, this arrived from Montana Silverworks. It's the belt buckle with 800 wins on it. This thing is legit belt buckle, pure silver. Get it closer to the camera. Where is it? There we go. Right in front of you. Oh, here you It's farther than it looks. You, you have to step back. There you go. Okay. Anyway, this is a sweet belt buckle. All my, you know, cowboy friends now are going to see this belt buckle. No, it took me 800 wins to get not just one rodeo to get a belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a long, that's 23 years right there on that belt buckle. So wait, that's what Trev talked to the team about? Well, he presented it to me. So I when, thought he already presented it to yeah, you. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't the real one. That was just a dummy because they were working on the real one. This is from Montana Silversmiths. This is like big time. You is know, this what the type of belt buckle that John Dutton wears in Yellowstone? Oh, yeah. This is, his stuff's coming from there. Ty Murray, Casey Fields, all these guys, the best rodeo guys. Mm -hmm. This is big time. Mine, mine, mine. So, so anyway, I'm super proud, pumped, and Trev came over and gave it to us. 
and I've got to give Brandon Meyer credit. It was his idea to come up with a belt buckle. Because usually they just give you a ball, you know, it says 800 wins on it, and, you know, it goes flat in your, in your closet. This thing's really cool. This is, this is very meaningful, and it's, it's so I'm super, super pumped and uh, honored to get this belt buckle. And I'll, Madden, be able, I'll be able to wear it with the Cowboys. What do you think of Papa's belt buckle? Is it cool? Yeah, Madden thinks it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. How, Do you just attach it to any old belt? Well, you, yeah, you put on a belt. I'm going to get a new belt to go with this. So, yeah, you just put it on, and Lindsay knows how to do it. You're big time. Yeah. So, anyway, Wonder special, what they'll special do for day. a thousand wins. Special, special day today. Yeah, very special day. Congratulations. Thanks. You, that's why you're in such a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is Papa happy or mad today? Happy. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to listen to this one? Yeah. Madden's uh, helping me record tonight, and we're, uh, she's ha we're having some interruptions. Yeah. <laughs> That's expected. But here's what I want to go through on this month's episode. Okay. We had, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of weeks ago, I, host, I stepped in for JB, helped host the radio show. And I reached out on Twitter and asked fans to submit questions. And there were so many questions, and they were good questions. Sometimes you get iffy questions, but a lot of these questions were just solid volleyball questions uh, about, about your coaching career, but then also about rotations and lineups. And so some of the questions we were able to get answered on the radio show but about more than half of the questions we didn't have time to get. You want to say hi to Papa? Yeah. Okay, say hi, Papa. Hi, Papa. Hi, Madden. <laughs> You're such a big girl. <laughs> okay, we have to be quiet. Well, the other, probably more than half of the questions we didn't get answered on the radio show because we didn't have enough time. Okay, say hi. Shh, shh, shh. We have to be quiet. Mommy's talking. Hi, Madden. <laughs> you want to put it in your... Oh, here you go. All right, so we are now going to go through those questions because I want to... People took time out of their day to submit questions, and I want to make sure they get the answers that they were looking for. How does that sound? Sounds great. I made Okay. <laughs> I always like it when I feel like I'm taking a test. I Well, some of these questions might are putting you in the hot seat, and it okay. will feel like you're taking a test. Yeah, I know. That's what I feel like. Will you hold on to that? All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, this is from Abby. Does temperature or size of the gym make a difference on how the ball moves? No question it does. Uh, first of all, if you understand physics... Uh, and basically, we, uh, you understand physics of flying airplanes, okay? When it's hot, like it's the Phoenix 110 out, Phoenix has super long runways because it takes a long time for the planes to lift and get air. Uh, and, uh, are, you, are you hearing the ABCs? <laughs> yeah. Read a book, okay? We're gonna. Mama! <laughs> oh. 
It, it was her birthday month, so we had to get her on here. Okay. What, too, she's too much of a distraction. They can edit a little bit of this, right? Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. they, you know, hopefully Nick just leaves it because this is real life. <laughs> and this is kicking back with the cooks. This is what the podcast is supposed okay. to be about. All right. All right, so, t so go back. You were saying Phoenix, if it's hot. So anyway, when you fly airplanes, when the, the air's hot, the molecules are looser and less dense. When it's colder, they get really dense. So if you fly when it's really cold, planes lift really fast. It's no different in a cold gym. The, the air's denser, so the ball's going to move more. In a hotter gym, the ball's going to move less. And, and I, always, I told our team today, it's November, it's getting colder out, the balls are going to move. And we, had some, we saw some really tough serves last Sunday at Northwestern, and we're going to continue to see really tough serves as it gets colder. This is from Adam. Best lineup of all time using former or current players? Well, that's, you know, that's a no-win answer for me, but uh, if I but had... But at setter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a no-win. That is a correct answer. It's a no-win. Let's see. Kelly, Kelly's a setter because she works with me. Lindsay would be the libero because she works with me. And then pretty much anybody else, we're good. <laughs> what about me? Uh, I'm related to you. I'm chopped liver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Lauren, you would you'd be the opposite. I give you a granddaughter. Yeah. yeah Does that not count for anything? Yeah, you, you would definitely be on that team somewhere. Middle blocker, <laughs> oppo. So. No, Put we me a libero. Kelly, we could have Kelly oh, no, hit. Lindsay's libero. Yeah, Lindsay's libero. You could set. Kelly can hit. Okay. Will Christina Hotelling's jersey be retired soon since she recently got inducted into the Hall of Fame? Well, first of all, it was a great honor for her to get inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's a committee that decides that, and I think she was very well deserving of that. She's a great story, small town, Cambridge, came here, National Player of the Year. Uh, to get your jersey retired is another committee that decides that, and I know there's some criteria that goes into that, and uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure all what it is, so, you know, she's eligible for it, so just be a matter of time. I don't know who else they're thinking about retiring, uh, but um, they're the ones that decide that. I really have no say in it. Have you ever seen a middle play six rotations? Yes. Uh, in 2000, Jenny Kropp played six rotations on our team that went undefeated and won the national championship. And if you remember uh, in 2011, do you remember that year? K-State. K-State. Second round knocked us out. And uh, they had a middle. Catherine Pelger played six rotations, and she was phenomenal. This is from Jorge. You get one player from another team to play for Nebraska, who would it be? Well, based on Sunday, uh, TTA would uh, certainly, <laughs> she put on one of the best performances I've ever seen. Finally, we got her at the end, but uh, she was unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, 11 kills in the first 12 attempts. I mean, I've never, I've never seen that. Temi Thomas Ilara, for anyone who doesn't do acronyms. Yeah. This is from Christy. What is your favorite memory in your coaching career thus far? Well, today was getting the belt buckle, so that's a great memory. Um, obviously winning national championships. But one of the greatest memories is our 2018 that we played, won the regional final at Washington, then came back to Omaha and almost beat the Penn State team. That was the greatest team ever. Never, didn't went the whole season, didn't lose a set till we played them. And we had 
you know, we got right down to the wire and lost at 15, 12, or 15, 13 in the fifth. So great memories there. But, you know, Lauren, the, the hard thing with coaching is there's all kinds of great memories. I mean, but you also have all the losses. And unfortunately, the losses are, I remember those more than the great memories. <laughs> Could you explain your recruiting strategy? And do you try to get the highest rated player, or do you focus more on positional needs? And is there any, anything specific you look for in future Huskers? Try, try and answer that in as short of an answer as yeah. possible, because I know that's a long, drawn-out answer. But Yeah. Well, first of all, position needs is all, always a priority. I mean, we're not going to recruit nine setters. And, you know, you have to fill the positions and build depth. So position need is... is is a priority. Second is thing that, is that's number one. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's number one. These are all important. Second okay. thing is, you know, are they athletic enough to play in the Big Ten? Are they physical enough to play in the Big Ten? Are they quick enough if they're a libero? Third thing is, can they serve and pass? You know, you got to be able to do that. Or is there something exceptional that they can do? Maybe they're a great hitter. We don't have to worry about them serving and passing. Uh, but is there something that they can do that can be a difference maker for your team? And then the other intangible that is so hard to, to try to figure out is, is you know, what kind of uh, person are they? How do they fit in our culture? Are they competitors? Um, you know, what else is going to distract them from being the best they can be here? And that's a, you can't, you can't, you don't know that two, three, four years out till they get here. And, but you try to do that. Can they be a captain at some point? Are they a leader? Um, you know, how, do they work hard? You know, and it's, it, that's a crapshoot. But those are the things we're trying to look for. It's hard to evaluate. And, uh, uh, and you know, and players change over time. So, uh, but those are some of the key things that we look for. This is from James. When a player's dig crosses the net and lands for a point, does that player get credited with a dig and a kill or just one or the other? I have no idea. Okay, then he asked, when a blocker gets called for being in the net, does the attacker get credited with a kill or do they not get credit for a kill? Uh, again, I don't know. And the reason I don't Ooh. know, it's not that I don't, I don't, it, it depends on how you're, uh, looking, uh, so the way we do stats is different than the way the NCAA does stats. So our stats are never the same as what the people who are doing the NCAA stats. So I don't, you'd, we'd have to get Brian Magatang on here to, to know how we do that. And I, I really don't, the NCAA stats are good to look at real quick, but our stats are so detailed. We detail every touch. And we have ways that we do that. And I don't know how he grades those, to be honest with you. From Rand, how do you count subs? And when your middles swap in and out for each other and the libero, does that count? And then when Kenzie comes in for Allie, and then three rotations later, Allie comes back in, is that counted as one sub or two subs? So really good question. When, so let's just use you, you and I right now. So. I start the match. You come in for me. That's one sub. I come back in for you. That's two subs. All right. Maisie comes in to serve for Becca. That's three subs. Becca has to come back in for Maisie is four subs. Another way to look at it is we double sub. So when Ani 
and Lindsay come in for Nicklin and Whitney, that's two subs. When they come back in, there's four subs. So it goes pretty fast. And uh, he asked about when the middles swap in and out with the libero. Those, that is not counted, correct? Right. The li so libero, the translation is, it's a Spanish word. It could be Italian word, but it means free player. So that's why they call it a libero. It's a free player, meaning you don't count them coming in and out. So that's why a libero can come in and out for the middles, and it doesn't count against your substitutions. Now, the other, the other big question in this is, is we play with 15 subs. The rest of the world plays with six. So it's much more simple, less substituting in the international game because you could come in for me once, and I can come back in, and that's it. So there, there, that's two subs right there. We only get six of those, and it's by each position. So it's uh, you get one shot in, and that's it. So I, I wish we would go to that in college. I, I, I've never understood why that isn't the same for, from pro to college. I mean, even the stats are different at the professional level. I remember the first time I looked at a stat sheet after I played in a professional match, and I was thinking, what the heck is this? This doesn't make sense. So stats are different. Subs are different. I mean, everything is, the ball's different. Everything's different. Right. And, you know, the United States is doing it different than the rest of the world. So uh, it's, uh, I'd like to see us go to more toward an international game. But, you know, international basketball is different uh, than, uh, um, you know, college basketball or high school basketball here. And I uh, just watched a great documentary on Netflix called The Redeem Team. It's about the team in Beijing, the, the basketball team with LeBron and Kobe and those guys went to win back the gold medal. Uh, and they talked about the adjustment to the international game. It's a different game in basketball. So similar to, similar to volleyball, but it would be nice to have everything the same. This is from Nikki. Why are there not youth jerseys offered for all of your players? She wants a Whitney Lonstein jersey for her child. Wow. That would be a question to call in to Trev's show. I don't know. Uh, and I'm a, I mean, I'm assuming they have some of your players' jerseys. Yeah, I have no idea. We have nothing to do with that. That goes through marketing. So email our marketing people, email Trev, uh, uh, email Lindsay, and we, we can get an answer to that. But I'm, I think that's a great question, and I'm surprised they can't get a Whitney jersey. This is from Sharice. Are the, Col are the Coliseum logo button-ups good luck? <laughs> so, um... You're, hold on. You are superstitious about these button-ups. Yeah, well, the, I, never, I never, we always want to honor the past, and that's a great logo that Coach Pettit and an architect here designed for the Coliseum logo. And when we came to Devaney, remember, we tried to make the Devaney another Coliseum. So if you go down in our locker room, we have brick down there from the Coliseum. We talked about on the radio show tonight with John Baylor, the arches in Devaney. They're not really arches supporting the ceiling, but they give the feel of the Coliseum. And I did not want to lose that uh, logo. It's such a great logo. So we've kept it, and that's why it, it goes great on shirts, and I've kept it. And again, it's just honoring the past. Where you got to remember where we came from, 
as uh, you know, my friend Eddie Vedder says, lead singer Pearl Jam, you know, uh, if you forget, you're destined to remember. And I don't want to forget, you know, all the lessons and the tradition and the history that we built in the Coliseum and Coach Pettit before us. I mean, it's a beautiful logo, and we continue to use that as our logo within our program. This is from Dave. What would it take to go back to a 5-1? Uh, a setter that shows they're ready to run the show and make every hitter better. Or after the match on Sunday. Yeah, and I, 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 would, I would be celebrating going back to a 5-1. It would solve a lot of problems that the 6-2 creates. From, this is from Jim. How do you get serves to curve like a knuckle, or to have a knuckleball effect? Um, so it's exactly that. Uh, 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 we are trying to contact the ball to get it to float like a knuckleball. The more harder you can hit it and the more it becomes a knuckleball, the more it will move. So you're actually taking a ball and hitting it out around as it goes through the air. So the best servers have the best contact and they can get the ball to move unpredictably is, is what happens. Uh, so that's, um, that's what makes the best servers. And usually the best servers have big hands and they get in great, great con they're great hitters so they get great contact on the ball. And those are the ones that really move. And again, a great analogy is a knuckleball in baseball. I feel like it's also, you're hitting it off the palm of your hand. It's not really, you're not, the serve isn't going off your fingertips. It's more, if you contact it correctly, it's just hitting your palm, right? Right, and, and you don't want it on your fingers because your fingers move so much, but your palm stays stiff, and that's what gives it the solid contact. I always think of it like you're giving someone a high five, and then you're almost bringing that high five back. Yep, that's a great, great teaching analogy for it's the a, young kids. It's a pop. Yeah, we call it pop and drop, but that's a great analogy. This is from John. Are you ever amazed by some of the plays that Lexi Rodriguez makes, or are you used to it by now? Uh, there's sometimes she'll make a play, um, but we also probably expect her now to do more than she can do. Because <laughs> she has made so many great plays, and if she's not doing it all the time, they're like, whoa, Lexi's not playing that good. But she's still playing at a really high level, and she, she does... You know, she's, she's a phenomenal player. This is from Josh. Has NIL made recruiting more difficult or easier? <sighs> ask me, ask me in... In a couple years. In another couple years, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's still so new. It's changing. What it has done, though, it has completely changed the transfer market because now players can leave a program and upgrade. High school kids, I don't think yet, are thinking too much about it, even though we do talk about it and the opportunities. But you're, uh, the transfer, the fifth-year seniors, they're looking for the best deal. From Brian, if you walked away right now, who is taking over the program? Well, that, that, again, call in on Trev's show. <laughs> Ask him who's going to you know, be the next football coach, too. <laughs> From Nate, how do you evaluate volunteer assistance, Bud's performance so far this season? Will he be retained for next season? Bud is doing a fantastic job. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he helped us get a big recruit, which by the time this comes out, you, everybody will know about. 
so, you know, I always say if you can get one great recruit, man, you've done your job as assistant coach. So Hold on. Another big recruit after the one that was just announced? Well, I, I, like, it's Lauren, I can't talk about all that. Till, well, till you can't say names. I can't say names. So it's, it's, she helped us get our latest recruit, and they're getting very close to signing their letters of intent, which will be on Wednesday, November 9th. Tomorrow? Yeah. But this We're is recording this Tuesday yeah. the 8th, but it will be out. The podcast will be out yeah. after that. Okay. That's ex so how, wait, how, can you tell us how Bud helped you get this well, recruit? I, I would love to. I got to be careful I don't break any rules on this because this is recorded yeah, the day before. If you break rules, you're going to have to go with Mickey Joseph to yeah. the school of recruiting rule breaking yeah. and so, sit in a classroom and learn all about it. Yeah. So I've <laughs> had plenty of those lectures before. So. <laughs> Uh, so as you know, we have the roping dummy in Devaney, and th this recruit came in, and I just, I didn't know her that well, first time in Devaney, and we were getting to know each other, and we walked into Devaney, and I said, literally, th this is within the first five minutes, I, I officially met her in person, and uh, I said, hey, here's a rope, here's a dummy. I'm going to give you a 90-second lesson. You're going to rope this dummy. So I showed her how to hold the rope, how to coil it, all those things. Sure enough, she gets the rope going. Wham! Right on, right onto the dummy, round the horns. I said, "Well," uh, and, she, and so anyway, when she committed, she called me and said, "Hey, if I if I if I come to Nebraska, will you teach me how to rope and ride?" And I said, sure. I said, I'll get, I'll get you on a horse. We'll go train with a rodeo team. We'll, we'll train on the dummy and Devaney. I'll, we'll do all the roping and riding you want. And, uh, and, you know, several of our players will go down and ride with Lindsay at her place with her horses. And then she said, yeah, I want to come to Nebraska then. So <laughs> I give Bud credit for that because, you know, I show, I show them pictures of Bud and they follow Instagram on Bud and Reba and... You know, we've done the podcast where we talk about Bud and Reba, so. Can, can we pull up the baby monitor for the horses? <laughs> sure. What are they doing right now? Well, let's see. Uh, stand by, Lauren. <laughs> I'm surprised you just don't always have it open. Okay, well, let's see here. Uh, horse paddock, 834. So here... It's going to be hard to see, but there's Reba walking through the camera. Oh, yeah. I see Bud. her. What's Bud doing? Bud's following Reba. They're looking for food. <laughs> it just snowed about 10 inches, and, as you know, and uh, they're looking for droppings of hay. <laughs> they're hungry. Yeah. All right, this is from Mel. If you could pick one school to be your biggest rival, who would it be and why? You know, Lauren, uh, at Nebraska, everybody's our rival. We I know, but if you could pick someone to be your rival, who would it be? Well, it kind of, by default, has been Penn State because we've had so many epic matches with them. Um, Not by default. Just if you could pick a school to have a to have a rivalry with, who would it be? Yeah. I don't know. I have to think about that one. All right. This is from Louie. 
Is it true that your players are not allowed to eat pizza during the season? <laughs> that is not true. I just had dinner with Maggie Madison tonight, and she made a beautiful pizza in our training table. They actually have a pizza station they can make a really nice pizza. So they have a stir-fry station, a pizza station. What else can you make in there? They had poke bowls tonight. They were very Whoa. good. Seaweed salad, fresh pokey. Um, uh, they have a pasta station. It's amazing. So before the radio show, I go and eat with the players because it's, you know, it's in the stadium. Our, our, our studio's in the stadium, so it's very convenient for me just to walk right over here from training tables. So it works out great. Speaking of food, this is from John. What is your favorite pregame meal? Um, chocolate chip cookies. Those <laughs> cheese. This is from Paul. If volleyball were to come to an end tomorrow, what would you do for a living? I'd be, um, uh, I'd, uh, be a professional <laughs> roper in rodeo. <laughs> Can you make that much money? Oh, yeah. Those guys that are really good, they make, I mean, that, that's all they do. They travel around. They've got these big rigs. I mean, watch Yellowstone. Watch the 666 Ranch. That's what they do. And then they buy and sell horses and rodeo life. That's what Yellowstone, part of Yellowstone is all about. You need a custom cowboy hat now to go with your custom belt buckle. I know. I'm, I'm hoping I get one for Christmas. Oh. So tell mom. <laughs> okay. Tater knows where to you go. Know, yeah, there's a, there's a place in, uh, in Jackson Hole, Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah, you realize we are five days out from the Yellowstone season five. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. five days, you're right. Yeah, but we're going to be playing at Ohio State. Uh, it's a, I think it's a 4.30 match, so we might be getting back too late to see it. So, uh, Is it that late on a Sunday? Yeah. Wow, why is that? I don't know, probably for TV. I don't know. I was, Lindsay told me I was kind of surprised. Wow. Is there a story behind Ultimate Trust? There's several stories behind Ultimate Trust, but... Uh, Give us one story then. Um, well, the uh, Ultimate Trust is, a, a volleyball team has to have trust. and. Because the, it's six people, 900 square feet, the ball's moving, you know, 60 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. So everything's happening really fast. So there has to be tremendous trust to play great volleyball. But when you, your team gets to a point where you have ultimate trust, the, it's like they know what's going to happen before it happens. They know where to move without crashing into each other. They know who has what ball. They're just this level of trust that you don't even think about it. It just naturally happens and it flows. And that's when our teams play best. And so I asked the, I asked the players one year, a few years ago, I said, hey, bring me pictures what ultimate trust means to you. Because, you know, I, we were having a hard time really defining it. We, did, we knew what it looked like when we played. Uh, and said, hey, bring me a picture. Well, the, the picture they, they brought, it's still on our whiteboard. It's a, it's, a, it's a dog leading a blind dog hooked up carrying the leash. And to me, that is the ultimate trust, is if our team can play like that dog leading that blind dog that's trusting that dog to lead him around, uh, you know, we will, we will play with ultimate trust. 
from Mark. Do you feel like you coach differently if the opposing coach is a former coach of yours or a former player? No, I, I have a mini celebration that, you know, I'm, we're playing a former coach. Uh, uh, after I've lost to a few of them, I've gotten over that. So you coach enough matches, you're going to lose and uh, some matches and you're going to lose to former coaches. And, but I, I, I'm also proud of what they've accomplished, you know, and we've got some great former coaches here that are doing great things and, you know, they, they come back to beat you. So I'm, in some ways, I, I, don't, I don't coach any different, but I'm a little bit proud of that. And of course, every loss for, for me and our team is tough, no matter who's coaching on the other side. All right, last question from Amy. Best Big Ten venue and most memorable win in the Coliseum? Um, most memorable win in the Coliseum might have been when you were playing when UCLA was ranked number one and uh, they came in. I think we beat Penn State when they were ranked number one. Those might be two of the most memorable wins uh, in the Coliseum because we, we were not favored. I think we beat Illinois when they were ranked number one in there too. So we had some great wins uh, in the Coliseum and the favorite venue in the Big Ten. Um, That is a really, really good question. Or just the best venue to play at? Um, I got to think about this because we got, we got new venues. Um, you have a lot of new venues. I know. Northwestern has a really nice gym now that they fixed it up, but um, we, haven't, we haven't played great there. You know. Uh, have you played in Ohio State's new venue? Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Um, that's a really good question. Um, trying to think about I like Penn State. Yeah, Penn State. Because Penn it reminds me of the Coliseum. Yeah, but even more than that, uh, I, I probably, to be honest with you, I, it's not the nicest venue, but to me it's the most fun is Illinois. And because it's, it's really packed, it's hot, they got the big fans going, they got a great student section, the band is super loud it's just everybody's crammed in there and again that reminds me of the coliseum so that might be and they have the best hotel in the in the in the big ten the <laughs> you can I smell hotel. the popcorn yeah yeah you smell the popcorn and um uh but you know everybody a lot of schools have uh, michigan state their basketball arena now is great and michigan's playing in their basketball arena some of the matches is really nice they're, they're really for big arenas they're really good for volleyball and um but everybody's really upgrading their facilities so there's a lot of nice but probably um you know uh probably my my favorite place to go play is was when we were in the big 12 was colorado because there was a great Whole Foods there, the mountains, the buff, the buff, the buff for breakfast. I mean, that's oh. to me, that's the number one road trip. And I'm, we've been trying to go back there, but they won't play us. So uh, try to go back there because that is that is my favorite plate road trip uh, uh, is Boulder, Colorado. Talk to Lee Mays. There's a there's a former coach. I, I've talked to him. He he got he got dead and company tickets this summer. So <laughs> I didn't go, but. Your brother did. I, I may go. That, next summer's their last tour, so I may, I may got. I got to see. It's something you got to experience 
once in your life. So, uh, but Lee, Lee, Lee always comes through. And again, for those that don't know, Lee was my assistant coach back in the mid 2000s, was on our staff uh, 2006, one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. You're turning into a deadhead. Is that what they call them? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a deadhead, but uh, they play good music and John Mayer's great. When Pearl Jam's not touring, right? they're up next. Well, I've been to Pearl Jam concert and... Is it Dead and Company or Grateful Dead or what's the... Well, it used to be Grateful Dead, now it's Dead and Company. Dead so. and Company, okay. Well, I, you are going to be pleased to hear this, but we are not doing a confession and lesson this month because I put you in the hot seat and made you answer all of those okay, questions. Good, because I'm drained. I know, I know. It's feel been like a long I just day for the, you. I just feel like I took the SAT test or something. <laughs> no, or NCAA recruiting test. That's what it feels like. Are those tough? It's, those tests? I think they are because, you know, they, they ask you these questions and like, Okay, this is a two-year transfer of a four-by-four from a junior college. They were non-qualifier. I mean, we don't ever deal with all this, these questions. And it's like, how the heck do I know? And then you got to try to look it up. And you can, it's an open book. But, I mean, the thing's like 400 pages. So the, the way they word the questions and some of the questions, like, I've never even heard of this. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, do I know the NCAA rules? Yes. Do I know some of that stuff? No. And I don't know if... Even if you read the book, I'm not sure you really know. And, you know, we got, we got lawyers that are in our NCAA office, our compliance office, you know, and they got to go look it up or get interps from the Big Ten or the NCAA. We always get heated when we talk about the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in, for watching, for listening, however you get your podcast. Thank you so much to Andrew tonight for producing this one, staying late and hanging out with us. Coach Cook, thank you so much as always for your time and we'll see you all next month. Go Big Red.